because I think it addresses so many things that um, that people are really questioning today and have always been questioning. Is God good? Is God out to get me? Why is things happen to me? Uh, all those big questions that maybe even your neighbor and yourself are asking. People at your work are asking these questions. But if God is all good, then why are the bad things in the world? Why are the wicked prosper when I am I'm doing so the best I can and I'm suffering? All those great questions. Uh, I just want to honor my daughter because she has also been following the book of Job, so this is her interpretation so far. Job, he's crying first, then you can't maybe you can't see it, but all his kids are dead. They have like crosses on their eyes. And his, uh, his wife is also crying, and so is Job, and he's sick. Um, yeah. So now it's an introduction. Um, it, 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 it seems like we've reached a point in the book of Job where, um, where things are, things are starting, it's getting a little bit uh, confusing. With, with, with how their con the conversation is. I was thinking about it, and I think maybe you've been in, the, in, the, in a conversation that starts out, and you know the, the subject is clear. The subject is clear, and you're talking about something. Maybe it's with your wife, like some of you that are married will understand, or maybe it's, the, it's a colleague at work, uh, or maybe it's a, a study person that you're studying with. Um, and you start out, just, you're discussing one thing, but after some uh, hurtful comments or some misunderstandings, then everything starts to change. So it's not really about the subject anymore, but it's about how did you speak to me? And I'm responding to how you spoke to me now. Because you, you used irony with me, so I'm going to use it with you too. I called you names, so I'm, I'm going to call you names. And, and the subject actually gets a little bit lost in there. This seems to be what's happening here as we are entering into the second cycle of conversations. So Job is built up about three cycles of the, we have the prologue and the pre, prologue and the prelude, and in between you have three cycles, and the third cycle is interrupted by this guy we don't really know exists until he starts speaking. But this is the second cycle. So three of Job's friends has already spoken, Job has, has responded back to them. And, but uh, the way they talk to each other kind of escalates at some points. Um, I don't always catch it. I'm not the greatest reader of poetry, but then uh, there's commentaries to help you to help us sometimes. And uh, especially with irony, sometimes like, oh, it must be that, and then it's like, no, it means the opposite. Oh, okay. Well, and and so I, I had this verse that it, it's, like, it's the same as. Uh, if you've seen ice hockey, what happens when they what happens when they start fighting? They throw off their gloves, which I don't understand why. We better with the gloves on, but they throw out their gloves and they start fighting. And it seems a little bit like this is what's happening in the conversation. Job has definitely taken off his gloves and he's pushing back and said, "Like you guys, there's no wise person among you at all. You are miserable, comfortables, and uh, I'm sure I'm sure wisdom will die with you guys." Is one of my favorite, favorite ones. And I didn't catch it the first time, but now they use, each other's, they use each other's words to get back at each other. 
So now LFS is going to speak soon, and he's going to use the things he used the first time, and also what Joe has said, has said so far, and he'll push back on it. One of the things they use a lot is, is they're talking about each other's speech as just wind. They keep going back at each other about that. Whatever you're saying is it's just air. That's what I think about your advice. And so they say that to both, they say that back and forth, picking back and forth many times. Um, and we're in this conversation, and, and, and the, 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 the problem is that the way, well, even Job, the way they they all perceive Job, they all perceive God in a certain way. And what happened, and what is happening to Job doesn't fit into that mold. And so they get into trouble. His friend by, sometimes, his friend by, his friends by reacting to what Job is saying in his pain, and saying, well, what he's saying is not true, but the only way we understand God is that he must have done something wrong, so we need to just get him repent of the sin that we can't see that he has. Um, and all this is, all that this is happening is that Job's skin is is breaking out, healing, breaking out. There's worms and maggots eating his skin. Uh, he did lose his ten children, and his wife is also very upset and sad and kind of wants him to die a little bit. In this chapter, we see his, his eyes are red and weeping. He's in sackcloth and ashes, and people make fun of him, spit at him. He feels like God has made him a prophet, a prophet or an example of suffering to like behold for other people. Um, so that's where we're at. So get ready. It's not going to be pretty, just like just like mine said. But get out of your Bible, get out of your notepad. I'm not going to read all three chapters, but I'm going to hit highlights and we'll go through it. And then and all of a sudden I'm going to burst into something totally different uh, because that's what I was... Uh, I just uh, wanted to encourage you with you guys. And then we're going to come back to Job and finish chapter 17. Okay, so we're verses 1 to 6 uh, and 12 to 17. Like I said, Job is like, he's punching back to these people. Uh, and now it's Eliphaz to punch back. And he says, Should a wise man answer with windy knowledge and fill his belly with the east wind? So basically he's saying, man, all the stuff you just said is just... And then he goes on to, the, on to say, should he argue un unprofitable talk? Um, and then he says, in four, and this is probably the thing that Job doesn't do at all. You're doing away with the fear of God. For your iniquity, means like your sin teaches your mouth. And you choose the tongue of and you choose, the, you, you choose the tongue of the craft, and it means like, because you have iniquity, the stuff that's going to come out of your mouth is going to be crafty and sneaky. Um, and then he says, like, in this really pious way, you know what? It's not my words. It's your own words that's going to come to you. Well, that is really comforting. And it goes on, are you the first man that was ever born? Were you before the hills? Uh, and have you listened to the counsel of God, or do you wisdom, or do you limit wisdom to yourself? Like all this notion, like Job keeps saying, 
I can't trust any of you. You don't have wisdom. You can't explain what's going on. So then they go back and I'm just like, there's this notion in the, in, in that day that the older you are, the bigger chance that is that, you, that you're wisdom, that, that you are wise because wisdom is very old. So they're saying that we are old and we have, we're in 10, we have gray hair people and we have old people that are older than, than your father. So why don't you listen to us? Why is it that you think you're the only one who is wise? And why is it that why is your heart carry you away? And why is you are blinking with your eyes? And you turn your spirit against God. And you're saying things against God. I've already said this before. He says, like, what man can be pure? Who can be righteous? Behold, God puts no trust in his holy ones. And, and the Holy Spirit and you're not even one of the holy ones. How much less one man who is abominable and corrupt, a man who drinks injustice like water. Man, if you're saying that about your friend, ah, that's not very nice. And so he continues to describe what the wicked man does. And I was a little bit confused because is he here saying that Job is wicked or is he saying you should repent so you're not like the wicked? And I, I'm not like totally sure about all the things, but one thing is for sure. It doesn't help Job at all. Especially like 25, because like if you're wicked, you're stretching your hand out against God and you defy God. Job is trying to do the opposite, especially also you're doing away with the fear of God. What do you mean? That's the that's all Job has is the fear of God. So he keeps talking about how what happens if we try to rebel against God? Um, we won't be, and, and what's supposed to happen to the wicked? We'll be emptiness and darkness, and the wicked will be paid in their full time. He'll be shaken like a leaf, like a branch. For the company of the godless is barren, and fire consumes the tents of the bravery. They conceive trouble, they give birth evil, and their wounds prepare to see. If this, I don't know, because I'm not sure about this part, but if he's saying this, and he's saying, well, who just got consumed by fire? Some of his, some of the Job's things just got consumed by fire. Is this a reference back to yeah, that's because you're not doing right. Then some of your things just got consumed by fire. Um, now there's he hasn't having he doesn't have any children anymore. Is he insinuating that he is evil and that he is therefore there's no more children? I'm not sure because there's different opinions of of what is, is he just encouraging Job not to sin anymore and just return to God? 
or is he insinuating that the things that has happened to God is, uh, to Job is because that he has been deceitful? That Job is not like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. I'm just so happy that you spoke. Uh, no, he's not at all. I've heard many such things. You are miserable, comfortable, all of you. He goes back and says, Shall witty words have no end? So he uses the same thing. Guys, you're just. And you know what? I already told you to be quiet if you can't comfort or encourage me. And what provokes you to answer? Why do you answer back? If I was in your place, I could speak just like you. But I would, even I, I would encourage you and not just shake my head at you. And six, if I speak, my pain is not going to go away. But if I, if I don't, it's not going to go away either. In seven, he, in seven, he kind of like, you know, uh, it's like doubling down, I don't know. Like, that's a gambling metaphor, but uh, he, he, he's kind of like saying, you know, he's going to go at, at them and say all the stuff they don't like him saying. He's going to say that one more time in even harder. Surely now God has worn me out. He has made desolate all my company. God has worn me out because you guys are no help at all. He has shrilled me up. His witnesses against me. He has torn me in his wrath and hated me. He has gnashed the teeth at me. The adversary sharpened his eyes against me. Men have gathered at me in their mouth. They have struck me with insolence, insolently on the cheek and mashed together against me. God gives me up to the ungodly and casts me into the hands of the wicked. I was at ease, and he broke my heart, broke me apart. He seized me at his neck, and he dashed me to pieces. He set me up as its target. Sorry, it's going so it's going so well in my head that I kind of lost my. Uh, Oh yes, yes, I know where I know I know where I'm going. Okay, so what is the picture Job has of God? He he describes how 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 he was at peace, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden God takes hold of him. It's a description of like taking hold of the neck of an animal and just slamming it down. Then the description of, you have made me your mark, like you are shooting arrows, and you said that before, you're shooting arrows at me. You put me into the hands of the wicked. Have you ever seen God like Job does? As your enemy? That God is out to get you. 
Some of you know my testimony. I kind of, I've always been, a, I've always been a theist. I've always believed that God existed, and therefore I also concluded, like Job and other people, that God must, if there's an all-knowing God, all-powerful God, He must be responsible for what happened to me. So if I get pain, it must be God that inflicts that pain. Looking back at my life, I didn't take any responsibility for me causing myself pain, but that's a different part. So if I did a lot of stupid things and sinned against God and against other people, I didn't take any responsibility for that, but I blamed God when things went wrong. This might be a high view of some distant God who is really not interested in you or in me. I had this conception of there was a God somewhere, but he was uninterested in a relationship with me and had no idea of what I was going through. And therefore, I concluded also that when things didn't go my way, he was punishing me. That is not true on so many levels. First of all, because I didn't know, him, didn't know the God. I didn't know what he did. Did, and I didn't take any responsibility for anything I ever did wrong myself. I just blamed God when things were bad. When we study God, if we give any part out of who He is, we get a wrong view of who He is. If I only ever preach the wrath of God and never the love of God, if we only focus on the justice of God and not the mercy of God, we get a wrong view of who He is. And Job will see a high view of who God is. He is a God who is supposed to be feared. He's a God who is supposed to be reverent. We don't see much why God why why he actually came after us sometimes I think we gotta also sometimes remember that like me at that time sometimes we create our own image of who God is we create God in our image. But we have to remember that it's the other way around. God created us in His image. And that's a good thing. Because God is God and we are not. And we don't have the full grasp of how everything should be. I started out my journey being extremely afraid of God. Maybe to an unhealthy extent. I knew I had sinned, I knew I had been a fool, like Meyer said. I knew I deserved to die. So what happened if I sinned? Well, I couldn't really blame God for killing me. Because that's why I deserved it. It's probably not the most healthy relationship to have with somebody. And fear... Fear is not a good motivator over a long period of time. 
Fear can maybe be a good motivator for a, a, a little time. But it's not going to be a great motivator for loving somebody and creating a relationship with somebody. So I'm thankful for me that pointed out to me at some point saying, you, knew, you do know the Bible says many times, fear not. I didn't really know that, but I looked into it. And I... And getting to know Jesus is a, like a big difference. So I have like from uh, from John 10 to 10 and 14 to 18. The thieves come the thief come only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus he came that I might that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not like sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there'll be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay down and authority to take it up again. This charge I receive from the Father. In this, Jesus recognizes who there are people, uh, there are spiritual forces that want to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus contrasts himself with them, not those worthless shepherds. I sacrifice my life for my sheep. I don't die, I give up my life so that you can have abundant life. What does abundant life mean? You can take that to many unhealthy extremes, and I think people do. But I think when we look at it, what is abundant life? It's understanding that Jesus is the Good Shepherd who laid down His life for us. No matter what situation we're in. Because the life with, with, with uh, the life with God is never promised to be easy or pain free. Not at all. And, and, on, and we've had this contrast before in the Old Testament. There's this notion of a very early prosperity gospel. If you just keep the rules, then you will be rich. Nothing bad will happen to you. And we see it a little bit in the New Testament too. But what happens when they become, when Jesus comes? And we did it in the Koinonia series too. To have the full understanding of who Jesus is, you need to suffer for him. And with them. So that totally changes from if I'm good, nothing bad's going to happen to me. To there's an expectation that you will suffer because the world is not going to accept you. My friends made fun of me a little bit. It's not, no, I don't take that ill, Ill way anyway. But they did make fun of me. It's like, why don't you walk on the water? I didn't say, well, why don't you just park the water? Well, because they don't understand, but they're asking questions. 
So we will be seen as weird. We will be seen as strange. And that's just part of it. But I just want to, I want to just go to um, this part. What does he promise us, God? Because he's never promised us it's going to be good and, and, and there's no bill, no pain, there'll be no sickness. No, no, he hasn't. But he has promised. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man do to me. And from the Psalms, when we're brokenhearted, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and save the crushed spirit. The Christian life is not promised to be easy. But we have a promise that Jesus is there with us, that God is there with us, that he's not far away and he takes delight in punishing us. Job doesn't have any idea of this one. He doesn't know who the thief is. Because he wasn't there in the beginning. He wasn't there in the prologue when, when, God, when God says, Hey, look at my servant Job, he's a great. And Satan says, No, he isn't. He's not great. He will curse you to your face. But Job has not done it. He thinks that God is the one causing him the pain. This is a verse that we can go to too fast sometimes. And I don't want to diminish anybody's pain at all. But this verse does seem to indicate, or it says, that somehow, in some way, like the song that we sang earlier, Every pain, every tear, every suffering you have gone through or will go through will somehow make sense. Not only make sense, but, and we know that for all who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. For those he, he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to his image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn of many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. This verse also encapsulates our hope. That although this crazy world that we will have pain and suffering, somehow all of us will make some form of sense and be for our good somehow. Why? That we somehow will see that we are conformed to the image of Jesus. And not only that, we're justified by His life, death, and resurrection. And our future is glorification with God. Everything restored being with God.
But then what about this life? What about this life where it might not be easy? Now we have the hope of glorification. We have the hope of, uh, we believe that we're justified. Saints with God, the hope of Him coming back, hope of being with Him forever, everything being made right. Then what about when we are hoping? How do we express that hope as we're living here as well? And the question is, can we hold on to that hope? Even when things aren't okay, when they're not fair, when we don't know why things are happening. Can we hold on to hope like Job does up and down? Do we know that Jesus is holding us? Job's doing this despite, despite of his friend's words. I was just thinking, and I pray that we would be in our fellowship that help remind one another, help counsel one another in a good way, not in a Job and his friend's way, of the hope that we have in Christ. Somebody said, that, like, you, know, you have to preach the gospel, but you also have to preach it to yourself. Because we keep forgetting all the time. We keep forgetting what our hope really is and what what it really what difference it really makes. And this hope is not a hope we can express to other people. The friends are running with the other people. Can we express this hope in a way that they would understand this? So Peter he writes, Now who is there to harm you if you sell us for what is good? But even if you suffer righteousness, sake, you'll be blessed. Again, suffering. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ as Lord is holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone to ask for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile you will be behaving in Christ may be put to shame. To try to release you, don't overthink this. Just share your story. How did Jesus change your life? That's part of that, the hope that you have in you. Sometimes, like people like me and other people, think, oh, I want everything right before I say anything. I think the hope we have inside of us is the hope that God has changed us, that we were fools, we were in darkness, and He saved us. That's the hope we have. And that's the hope other people need because there's only one way. His name is Jesus. Oh, this is a fantastic verse. An overlooked one, especially if Job, but then you can argue, well, Job is written before this, so that it doesn't happen. What is God like? What is God really like? What is He asking us to do? In Deuteronomy 6, 4, He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord of God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. 
That's different than just fearing God. We can fear many people, and we can also fear God, but does that create relationship? Does it create devotion? Is, it, is that somebody we want to spend time with? Do we believe we can come, even in our greatest pain, and even in our greatest defeats, and say to God, I need you, I need your help. I think I'm just going to say it now because I think I missed it somewhere. But maybe we're going to... Maybe we're going to... As we're reading the last parts, look at this. Job is convinced that God is out to get him. But he's also convinced that God is his only hope. But if we look at it today, it's the same thing. We're saved from the wrath of God to the family of God. Saved from God to God. Job is expressing the same. He's saying, God, I think you're doing this. But you're the only witness I have. You're the only one who knows. You're the only one who can save me. These friends of mine don't understand anything. But you're... You bring all this pain on me, but you need to save me from this because you're the only one who can save. This contrast that the one that's out to get me still needs to be the one that saves me. I think we see that in our lives as well and how we are saved. From the wrath of God into the family of God through Jesus. These archers surround me. They slash open my kidneys like Oh, God falls out to the ground. He breaches me. I assume, like we talked about with Sacklos, I'm, I'm red in my face from tears, uh, from crying. Nineteen. Even now, behold, my witness is in heaven, and he who testifies this for me is on high. He said this earlier when Myers was preaching. And Eliphaz says, nobody's listening to him. Stop praying. No, Job, although he said that God is doing all things, still his only hope is that God is going to show up and show his friends that he has not done it. Because nobody else can acquit him. He needs God to come and tell his friends. And everybody else was spitting at him and mocking him that I have not done anything wrong. He says to God, you got to come down and have a clutch from me. You have to put security on me. My eyes go dim like a shadow. And he insults his friend again, friends again in ten and saying, Alright, try one more time. But I don't believe any of them are wise. If I hope for shield as my house, if I make my bed there, if I say to the father, to, if I say to the patriarch, my father, the worthy of my mother and my sister, where is my hope? Who will see my hope? No, the hope is 
My witness is heaven in heaven is my hope. But Job, how can you do this? You're saying God is doing this to you, but you God is still your only hope. That's the beauty of this. Although all this stuff happens, Job is still trusting God. God needs to come and acquit him. Needs to declare that he has not done something wrong, as all his friends are saying. And this is what one commentator says, it's not because he is suffering a fatal illness that he is so desperate, but because there is no sign of vindication that he demands. He can't see how this can happen, but he's trusting God, you're the only one who can do it. You're the only one who can come and make this happen. This is contrast, it's God my enemy. It's God, even in my enemies, he like my only hope. I think we have the reflection questions. Just think about this. What is your hope? What are you living for? What does this have to do with about us? God being my enemy. Is God your enemy? Is he your only hope? I think it's good to think about what do I actually say to Job? What do I say to his friends? How can God be Job's enemy and his hope? Have God been, or is he God's enemy? And where is your hope today? Like I've been saying so far, our, our hope is in the life of Jesus. The coming hope is in Jesus too. What is the new hope? The new hope is new heaven, new earth, being with God. What is our hope? What we believe that Jesus is seated at the hand of God and He's interceding for us. That He loved us and that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That He was seated on the throne said, Who's seated on the throne? Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, write this down. These are the words of the trustworthy one, the truth. And he said, I am. It is done. I am the elephant of Asia, the beginning of the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have his heritage. And it will be his God and he will be so, our great hope in this life is what Jesus' life is and death and resurrection. The hope of a new, of glorified body, new. But the hope is also that, that as we are here, as we understand the love, grace, and mercy of God more, and the hope we have within us, that we can share that, that God can help us be His ambassadors as we're here. We will grow in enjoyment of God and in the reward of God. I think that's actually one thing I wanted also to challenge us with this. The notion of fearing God is not a very thing that we enjoy. 
But God is calling us to love him with all of my enjoying God. Practicing enjoying God. Practicing enjoying who he is. Somebody said about Christians, we should be the ones that are the most in people that enjoy things the most. Why? Because there's always this extra level. We don't worship the God. We don't worship the Son. No, but we appreciate and love the person that made the Son. So we can, that can be worship. Should be appreciated that. With food, with good company, with friends. Everything can be turned into worship because there's another layer where we enjoy God for what He has done and what He does. As well as your work, all sorts of things that God gives. How can we also be a fellowship that encourages that, not just, oh, it's good food. Yes, praise the Lord, it's good food because He has done this thing that we can enjoy. Not only that, how do we actually enjoy the story that he had in us and through us so it flows naturally from us to share that hope? I think as we encourage one another to enjoy God daily, we help each other in a natural, easier way to share the hope we have inside of us. What's inside of us will come out. Sometimes people like that. But this guy, you're in me. This is you only hope. I pray today that you have been encouraged that Jesus is our only hope. And we can praise Him for that. And you have something extremely valuable inside to share with other people. His name is Jesus. That doesn't mean your life will be easy. But it'll mean that God has promised to be with you when it's not. God, we just thank you so much for this time. We just thank you. We can look into this book and just uh, ancient wisdom of just how you interacted with Satan and with Job and his friends. And, um, God, how, how you're all, God, just how you're all the hope of salvation. God, that you're the one who initiates. You make, you make a way for us through Jesus when we're still far from you. I'm thankful. Lord, I pray for myself and pray for all the friends for the kids downstairs. I pray you open up our eyes of our hearts to see you clearer. See how much we can hope in you. That you would help us be able to say that you are enough. Not only enough, but you are abundant, over enough. Help us to do this in this place, together and scattered, to be your ambassadors in this place. And may this be to your glory and your honor, and may it do much good for the people, for us and for the people around here. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name.